For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we're talking about the long, rich history between the New York Giants and Syracuse football and O'Shea Brissett staying in the NBA draft. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is SNY.TV editorial producer, Scott Thompson. Scott, thanks for coming on the program. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Wes. Scott, we'll get you started on this one. Let's just say that the New York football giants have a lot of quarterback options right now. Obviously, two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback and potential Hall of Famer Eli Manning, the incumbent starter. They drafted Daniel Jones somewhat controversially in the first round. And then they have a couple of other backup quarterbacks on the roster, and Kyle Lauletta and Alex Tanney. And now they signed former Syracuse quarterback Eric Dungy as an undrafted free agent. So a couple questions for you at the start. Do you see a situation where the Giants could carry more than three quarterbacks? And is Tanney the logical choice for the third quarterback since Jones is just a rookie and Tanney's been in the league since 2012? Um, Absolutely. I I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, They do have a lot of quarterbacks here, but I can only see them carrying three. Um, ever since I've started watching the Giants, I think they've carried three quarterbacks. I don't think that they've gone to four. Um, and the only thing is, you know, you have Daniel Jones coming in as a six overall pick. Obviously, he's their their light for the future, so to speak. You know, when Eli Manning hangs him up, they're going to hope that he can take over right away and make this a winning franchise once again. I think that they would go with Alex Tanley only because he's the journeyman. He realizes what it takes to at least stay in the league, not necessarily playing on the field, but at least stay in the quarterback's room. Um, he got a lot of praise from Pat Sherman last year. You know, Everyone was talking about how the Giants were struggling and why not try out Kyle Lalletta, who they took in one of the mid-rounds there out of Richmond last year. But he said, don't forget about Alex Tanney. Don't forget about uh, Alex Tanney. He earned his spot behind Eli Manning. So I-, I would think that Alex Tanney would be that third quarterback um, and – Honestly, it, it might be a situation where, again, this mid-round quarterback, Davis Webb, was taken two years ago in the third round, and now he's with the Jets because the Giants cut him last year in favor of Alex Tanney. How Aletta could see himself in that situation yet again this season. Scott, what do you think the Giants liked about Eric Dungy, and what do you like about him? Uh, I, I do like that he ha- is a high percentage when it, when it comes to completion rate. I mean, you see this, you know, 61% last year. He had uh, 55% in his sophomore season. Also, I like that I see good progression from freshman year to senior year. When it comes to especially undrafted quarterbacks, I think that's what teams want to look for is that progression, that development, that maturation on the field from that freshman year up until, you know, you're graduating. So I, I like I like his game. I think that there's a lot to look forward to with his legs as well. It looks like he can move out of the pocket much. I mean, obviously not watching him as much as, you know, you or your listeners might be doing every season, but I, I like his mobility. I like his arm strength, and he's he's one of those guys that it looks like he's he's a gritty football player. He wants to pick up those first downs, whether it's you know taking a hit just to throw throw a ball that he sees downfield, or 
using those legs, getting to the pylon, and moving the chains. Now, one of the things about Dungy is that he's not just listed as a quarterback. He's a quarterback slash tight end. I look at this situation, I think of a guy like a Taysom Hill from the Saints who is a do-everything offensive weapon kind of guy. Do you think Dungy can make the team in this kind of hybrid role? I, I, that's, that's the one thing that intrigues me a lot, actually. You, know, you, you see what Taysom Hill did last year with the Saints, and he was literally Sean Payton's Swiss Army knife. He could do anything, whether it was fake punts and, and you know, coming in and setting up as a slot receiver or even taking some snaps and just running a wildcat. I could definitely see that being the case if the Giants can tap that potential. Like I said, using those legs, um, he has the, the speed, and he is, uh, you know, he is a pretty big boy uh, as well. I believe he's what, six three, six four, about two two twenty. So that's you know your prototypical QB size, but also that's a guy that can move around and take some some tackles. Hopefully, he can be that that gritty player and show the Giants in in the uh, in training camp and OTAs that. Maybe they can use him somewhere else. You know, being an undrafted QB, obviously, I'm sure Dungy knows that he he will make the team either way. If he wants, if the Giants want him to be a tight end, so be it. So let let let's see what what they can do. But the fact that he's listed as a tight end is is definitely an intriguing storyline heading into training camp this year. Scott, the other Syracuse guy who ended up on the Giants is defensive lineman Chris Slayton, who they picked in the seventh round. What do you like about his game? Uh, I like that, uh, again, he is also another big guy in the trenches, and we know how much Dave Gettleman loves his hog molly, so to speak. But the one thing that I see with him is, you know, you see a guy with as Dexter Lawrence gets picked 16th overall, and he's going to be that guy that's going to be the nose tackle. So the thing with, with Slayton being, you know, 307 pounds, I, I see him uh, listed here. I think maybe he can move into one of the end positions, if anything, as a depth guy. For these Giants in that three-four scheme that they run, uh, they they don't run that you know the four-three base. They'll run that that three-four. But um, I think that he's a, he's going to have a little bit of an issue with Dexter Lawrence being there. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to start. You also have B.J. Hill. You have Dalvin Tomlinson, who both show that they can definitely work in the trenches there for the Giants. And I think that they'll be on either side of Lawrence. But if, if Slayton can plug the holes, stop the run, something that Dave Gettleman definitely wants to do. With this Giants team, I believe that he can definitely be a depth spot and potentially make this 53-man roster depending on how things shake out. Scott, we'll get you out of here on this one. Chris Slayton, obviously taken in the seventh round. No guarantee makes a team. Eric Dungy, an undrafted free agent. He's got an even bigger uphill climb to make. What percentages do you give to each of these guys to make that 53-man roster? I think Dungy has a harder... Uh, position, uh, I, I believe, obviously being an undrafted player, but at the same time, I can't, I can't completely, you know, take him out of the, the running there. If he can show that he can be a tight end and that Swiss Army knife that you know, uh, Taysom Hill was for the Saints, he could definitely make it. But I would say Chris Slayton, being a seventh round draft pick, obviously the Giants see something in him. They see him, I would believe, as a depth role player, and I would give him more of a percentage. Let's say around, you know, 40, 50 percent, maybe a 50-50 coin flip. Whereas Dungy, is, it's going to be one of those guys where you hope that it's going to be a good undrafted rookie story, and that he can make the team as this guy that hey, he could show that you know he could be a quarterback that they can carry forth. But I would see him more as that Taysom Hill sort of guy. So let's just say Chris Slayton has that that higher percentage, in my opinion. But Eric Dungy, I'm definitely rooting for you. I hope that he can make this team because I 
everyone loves stories like that. Everyone loves to, to see these guys go undrafted, make an impact on a team, and it's just it's always feel good, and you, you can't help not root for that guy. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the program. Again, our great friend from SNY, editorial producer Scott Thompson. Thanks so much. Enjoy the summer. We'll check back in with you during the football season. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great stuff from our friend Scott Thompson from SNY. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, the news from the Syracuse basketball world this week is that O'Shea Brissett announced that he's remaining in the 2019 NBA draft. He had a great G League elite camp. He got invited to the NBA Combine. He did well there, too. Based on the drop in his numbers from his freshman to sophomore year, I think he could have benefited from coming back to Syracuse. What do you think? Well, I think it's fair to say he could have used another year and improved his game, but at the same time, I really wasn't overly surprised as the reports kept filtering in the last couple of weeks of how he was performing in front of the eyes that really mattered the most, uh, leading to the advice that they're going to give people investing, you know, millions and millions of dollars in these players. So hearing about how great a condition in condition he was, hearing about his skills and, and the different drills and, and how he wowed people, in the, in the end, I was not surprised. He, he got the information where he was going to probably likely end up and, and what that fit in the pay scale of, of what he was likely to make. We've seen it happen, Wes, in the last five to eight years with Syracuse players. I've seen it going all the way back to Pearl Washington in 1986. And when Derek Coleman decided to remain for his senior year, 89-90, and then the players we have seen since Johnny Flynn onward here, it's the nature of the game. It's what's going to happen unless they drastically change the rules again with high school players going right to pro ball, having to play one year, unless all those fundamental changes happen, this is going to continue. And, and you know what, Wes? The players coming into Syracuse this year, one and two of them are going to leave early for pro two in, in the future. And let's talk about this Syracuse team, because Syracuse only has one returning starter from last year's team, Elijah Hughes. Tyus Battle declared for the NBA draft after his junior season. Pasquale Chukwu and Frank Howard are now out of eligibility. This is going to be one of the youngest and most inexperienced teams ever coached by Jim Beheim. It seems like an NCAA tournament bid is going to be an uphill battle. I say get used to it. It's not changing. Uh, uh, it used to be, you know, key returnees, how many lettermen returning. It's all changed. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari do a complete roster reshuffle every year. Jim Beheim doesn't do it to that level of three or four guys. He's doing one or two. It's going to happen. And what what the, what the staff is good at doing, though, is developing players. I've said it for his entire career. He's a master at taking the talent he brings in, recruits specifically for the system, knows the strengths, knows the weaknesses, works very closely with the strength and conditioning staff, the training staff, the assistant coaches uh, on the basketball side, works intensely with the academic side for for the non-basketball part, and he's the professor to develop these players, and that's what he's done. And though there's lack of experience in college ball, again, these players play in so many all-star games, play in international competition, their household names, reading about Zion Williamson signing autographs since eighth grade. I mean, they're at that, that, that level, that status. So while the Orange have one returning starter, players have played and will step up in this system and, 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 and contribute. And 
I'm really not overly concerned about that, about the, the lack of starters coming back as much as are they talented athletes, can they compete in what's the toughest conference in the country, the ACC? Brad, let's shift topics. Our guest today on the podcast was Scott Thompson from SNY, who writes a lot for SNY Giants. You wrote an Orange Watch earlier this week about the longstanding history between Syracuse and the Giants. This year, two more players, Eric Dundry and Chris Slayton, went to the Giants. It's been a connection that's benefited both teams, wouldn't you say? They absolutely have. And I was profiling the players that have been drafted. And if you extend that to a, a Tom Coughlin with his Syracuse connection, the su- two Super Bowl championships with the Giants, Riley Dixon, the punter, of course, came over as a free agent. So other players over the years that you know contributed to the Giants, even Larry Zonka late in his career played with the Giants. So there's been that orange-blue connection, and ironically with the orange and blue colors of Syracuse, uh, that have really made, made a mark going back to that first draft in 1936. And it did amaze me to see how many linemen the Giants have drafted out of Syracuse uh, through the decades. And then, of course, the marquee player, Joe Morris and Bill Sims, leading them to a Super Bowl championship. And then uh, in this modern era, in the Super Bowl era, the, the video highlight of David Tyree will never be uh, forgotten in, in, in that fantastic catch against New England. So, it's remarkable. I know the Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman, and his scouts have worked with Syracuse's football personnel uh, over the last couple of years, so there is that tight connection there. And I'm certainly not going to be surprised to see that trend continue in the future. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, we've been talking basketball and, 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 and what Syracuse has lost in O'Shea percent and the young talent coming in, but I can't wait for football, Wes. I know it's summer, and I'm a big beach guy, and I'm a big warm weather guy, but I am just so uh, impatient for the start of football, and we're only about a month away, believe it or not, uh, excuse me, uh, two months away from uh, media day uh, for the ACC, and just really looking forward to the development of the Syracuse players in, in this offseason summer camp, and just really, really excited to see where Syracuse is going to be put at the beginning of the season. Brad, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse assistant Mike Hopkins, who is now the head coach of the Washington Huskies. This week, Washington announced the signing of Jaden McDaniels to the class of 2019, who, along with Isaiah Stewart, gives Washington two players ranked in the top 10 in the class of 2019, which no other team in the country can say. Hopkins is doing a great job building a powerhouse out in Washington. Congratulations to him, but I think all of Syracuse Nation misses him. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the present seems like the most tense of the tenses. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit 
up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 